0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here. Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run. At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field out of here ball gets away he's gonna break for the plate ball game is over the angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning this is the angels recap podcast a review of the past week in angels baseball here's your host trent rush What's going on? Hello and welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast, episode number 71. Can you believe we've already done 71 of these? And uh, what a great guest we have today. We're going to talk some baseball with Andrew Tini. We're going to go in depth and talk some of his pitching, his approach, his offseason work, and we'll be going just a little bit more in detail than we normally do uh, on the radio with Andrew Keeney. It's a really good baseball conversation. I'm looking forward to you uh, checking that out. Well, the Angels right now, as we're taping this before their game on Wednesday against the Texas Rangers coming off of a Shoei Otani outing where he went four innings. Now, yeah, he struck out seven in those four scoreless frames, gave up just a hit, Uh, also walked six and hit a batter it was kind of a roller coaster day for Shohei Ohtani, a day where Ohtani said his command was a zero out of 100, a day where Ohtani said he only had one pitch working but still tossed four scoreless innings. I, I don't know what to make of that other than I think it's good that Shohei Ohtani was able to work out of some traffic, and I think that that's something that he can kind of bank in his brain there for knowing how to get out of situations when he gets in trouble down the road. I took it as a positive. I mean, look, six walks and a hit batter in four innings – Absolutely, that that is far too many uh, for Shohei to have sustained success. However, for me, it did feel like more of an anomaly than a trend with, with Shohei Otani. I know he's had some command trouble uh, before, but again, this guy has not pitched regularly since 2018. and It was his first start in two weeks coming off the blister thing. I think in that first inning, I think that blister might have been in his head a little bit. And we've talked about this almost ad nauseum with Shohei Otani. He's got to have confidence in his ability, which he always seems to have, and confidence in his body, which has wavered at times. And, you know, no longer worried about the forearm, but he was concerned about the blister, clearly, it seemed like in the first inning. But once he got that kind of out of his brain and was able to put that behind him, I thought Shoei actually pitched really well yesterday. And a day where he did not have his best stuff, he tossed four scoreless innings. So if that's the expectation, uh, for Shohei Ohtani. Uh, my goodness, sky is the limit for what this guy is going to be able to do. Well, the Angels as a pitching staff definitely uh, are looking to improve as far as ERA is concerned. Uh, at the time of recording this, the Angels 12th uh, right now in starter ERA in the American League, but the bullpen has been pretty good. They're 7th right now uh, out of the 15 teams in the AL and looking to improve upon that. I think that there are some good signs we're seeing from this Angels bullpen at the moment. Look, Rysel Iglesias uh, pitched on Tuesday night, came in non-save situation, but came in to shut the door, hadn't pitched in six days. And what had been a pretty interesting week for the Angels, you know, they came in thinking that they were going to play six games here on the homestand. They looked so good on Friday night against the Minnesota Twins, won that game 10 to three, just everything was clicking for the Angels on that particular day. Um, And then the COVID news with the Minnesota Twins, basically shut them down for three days. But what that also meant, a a, a side effect of that as far as baseball is concerned, is the Angels couldn't play on Saturday and Sunday. So those games are going to be made up later in the season. We don't have the details on that as of yet. But, again, those games will be made up at some point. But I thought that was kind of a bummer because the Angels had looked so good on Friday. They were coming off a road trip where they had to deal with all kinds of injuries. And it seemed like they were finally getting themselves established, looked great on Friday night. And, you know, they were kind of chomping at the bit to go out and play on Saturday. And then the game ends up getting canceled or not canceled. Postponed is the right word. There. But, you know, the Angels wanted to play that day. Couldn't happen. I thought having two unexpected days off in the season probably did more harm than good in the moment for the Angels. Um, Joe Madden kind of alluded to that as well. And I thought the Angels came out really flat on Monday against the Texas Rangers in the series opener. But then they came back looking really good on Tuesday night in a bounce-back effort, kind of got more back on track there. Look, the Angels on Monday were down 6-0. And then the seventh inning strung together a a bit of a rally, put four runs on the board. A lot of good things for the Angels in that situation. Albert Poole stole a base in that situation, Uh, so that was awesome to see. Uh, But all in all, uh, just kind of a flat game on Monday for the Angels before they came back. And looked outstanding. Uh, I thought on Tuesday in a really complete team effort. Trouty hits the home run, 464 feet. Um, Albert Pujols uh, hits a home run the exact same distance. How about this? At, at 115 and a half miles per hour for Mike Trout, that's the hardest hit home run he's ever had. That's amazing. And then it went 464 feet, and then in the same game, one inning later, Albert Pujols hits a home run that goes the same distance. Uh, that That's wild to me. It shows you what Albert can do. In 24 hours, Albert steals a bag which he's done now in every one of his uh, 20 full seasons. Didn't steal a base last year in the abbreviated 60 game, whatever that was, but in every full season of Albert's career, he's now stolen a base. That's an incredible stat. And then uh, 24 hours later, it's a home run 464 feet. So uh, pretty impressive right there for Albert Poole, who's so had to play already more first base, and you'd probably expect Albert to play with Jared Walsh having to be in right field a bit with Lagarus down, and obviously Dexter Fowler done for this season, but does seem like the Angels are starting to get a grip on their injury situation. Still waiting on Anthony Rendon. And my takeaway over the last week... It seems like the Angels have been able to weather this storm with Anthony Rendon on the injured list. Obviously, you'd like them to, you know, be even better than what they were. But at the time of recording this, 15 games into the season, the Angels at nine and six. I think you would take that um, understanding that Rendon would have already had a, an IL stint for half of that, and um, you know he was eligible to come back on Wednesday. There's a chance we see him in Houston. Uh, probably more likely that we see him by the Texas Rangers series at the start of next week, as the Angels now hit. The road for 10 days as uh, they try to, you know, finish out a really important stretch in the schedule. Look, I I try not to make too much of of April games, but when you got 13 straight in division, 10 of them on the road, that becomes a fairly pretty, a fairly critical part of your schedule. You know, I I don't care if you're playing the games in in April, if you're playing them in August, September, whenever. When you're playing division opponents, you got to take care of business. And uh, the Angels in that stretch, six of those games, Against the Texas Rangers, you get Houston for four, and then three against Seattle. So, uh, very critical time for the Angels, and uh, I think probably a good news that the Angels aren't catching Oakland right now. At the time of recording this, uh, the A's had won ten in a row, so uh, Oakland is hot right now. As them and the uh, Seattle Mariners have a half game lead on the Angels in the division. I'm not overly concerning myself with the standings right now. I think it's going to be a very close competitive division much of the way through. Uh, But right now, for the Angels to be in the mix, sure you'll take three games over five hundred, no question about that. All right, now it's time to check in with Friday night starting pitcher. It's Andrew Heaney who's going to get the nod uh, on the bump Friday in Houston. But before that, he and I had a conversation just talking some baseball. And here now, our chat with Andrew Heaney. All right, we're being joined now by Angels starting pitcher Andrew Heaney hanging out with us uh, here on the Angels Recap Podcast, the Angels pregame show. I guess we're going to run this a couple times, so we got Andrew Heaney uh, with us now. First things first, uh, Andrew, my wife wanted me to check in with you. How are the puppies doing?
1: <laughs> Pups are good. Uh, they're back home. Uh, my wife Jordan's back home right now, so they're enjoying uh, enjoying Oklahoma and having a nice big backyard
0: <laughs> I was I was going to ask about that because uh is that is that typical that Jordan stays back in Oklahoma and then you come out here for the season do you guys normally travel together how's, how's that usually work
1: uh it's kind of year to year I mean obviously everything going on the last year so has been a little bit strange and um so she's she's there now but she'll uh she'll hopefully be uh be coming out um you know, maybe sometime uh, in June or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's not ideal. Obviously, I'd love to have her and the dogs here with me, but uh, like I said, they're they're probably happy being at home. So, it makes me happy.
0: Yeah, I think we all know. In the last what, 14 months, uh, our all of our worlds have been turned uh, topsy turvy here. So, I yes. get uh, I get yeah. that absolutely. Andrew, I want to talk about uh, your season so far, and, and I know the last couple of starts have been really strong for you. What kind of things do you feel like for you are kind of helping you get a little bit more comfortable here? I know it's early, but uh, it seems like you've really pitched well the last two times out, in particular.
1: Yeah, I feel really good about the last two times. Um, you know, unfortunately, I had uh, you know a very not good one. Uh, <laughs> you know, the first time out, um, and I think as pitchers, you know, you've probably heard it before, and you're going to make, you know, ten starts. Two of them are going to, you're going to have your best stuff. Two of them, you're going to have your worst stuff, and it's the six in between. Um, so, I like to chalk the one up. Uh, you know, first my first start of the year is kind of having bad stuff, and you know, not not making pitches when I needed to, and one swing kind of killed me. Um, but I've been feeling good. I mean, I'm confident with what I'm doing right now. The last the last two times have been uh, definitely good for my confidence level um you know after the start that i had and i just hope to keep going
0: you know, that, that's always something that I've kind of wondered about, like finding that consistency. And I, I mean, I guess you could probably apply this to any occupation or anything you do in life, but I, I mean, we, we get to see it on a bigger stage with starting pitchers in particular about finding that rhythm. And, and like you said, you can have a couple starts where you're just on fire and then kind of one goes awry. How do you work to try to find a more consistent um, you know, results when, when it's you're trying to, I know, always trying to go about it the same way, but uh, sometimes it's kinda of tough to do. So how do you go about trying to find that consistency?
1: Well, it's funny you said it perfectly. I mean, results, right? Like every you know, every time I take the mound I don't feel the same. But there's times where I've gone on the mound and felt great and got horrible results, and there's times where I've gone on the mound and felt horrible and got great results. So in for me and you know, for a lot of other guys, it's finding your own personal consistency and you just are hoping that the results follow that, right? You, you hope you get the results you feel, you know, you deserve or you earned or however you want to put it. Um, sometimes it works out that way, sometimes it doesn't. There's definitely games where you you walk off the mound and you go, like, I, I, I somehow escaped that, you know? And there's other times where you walk off and go, wow, I look, at the, I look at the game and how I pitched and I don't feel like I got the same results. And so, you know, it's really more about focusing on yourself. Um, you know, for me, what I'm doing Um, mechanically and what I'm doing in my, in my prep work and how, how I'm feeling, um, you know, on the mound and, and being able to control, um, control the game and, and trying to do my best job of uh, limiting damage.
0: I know you talk about that prep work. I understand, especially for you, that doesn't just happen on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. I know that for you, that started in the off-season, and you talked about going to mm-hmm. a local college out in Oklahoma, uh, reconnecting with Doug White. Uh, you know, getting the Rapsodo machine. Mm-hmm. What was kind of the genesis behind all of that to want to take that, you know, approach a little bit more of an individualistic approach, but, you know, trying to handle that uh, away from everybody else when when everyone's kind of isolated in in these crazy times?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously with with everything that was going on, I mean, that was kind of a necessity, right? Um, But also, I I think kind of understanding that um, getting a better understanding of yourself, how you tick, what makes you good, what makes you not good, what, what you may perceive as being strengths, um, what other people perceive as your strengths, and then trying to um, hone in on that. Um, you know, I think everybody does it to some extent. Everybody does it in a different way, but um, for me, it was definitely more of an individual, um, isolated kind of off season. Um, and sometimes I feel like I work better that way. Um, and it's um, for me, it was it was good it was healthy I think yeah. just having a little bit of a mental uh reset um on how I approach things and so you know I I don't I'm not going to sit here and act like I was doing something revolutionary right it was just kind of a little bit of a rethink on how I wanted to approach my offseason so you know I've I've taken that and there's been things I still tinker with and you know I think that you know anybody who's a professional athlete or a professional at anything that they do Um, is always trying to be better, right? Like you don't ever want to feel like you're satisfied with the results that you're getting. There's always something you feel like you can do better. And if, if you're not moving forward, then you're standing still and you're going to get passed. So I think that's kind of the, you know, the idea that I've had in my mind and just never, never settle for anything and always trying to get better.
0: I think when people hear the word Repsoto, instantly you know you're talking about you know the analytics of baseball and what comes with mm-hmm. that. And I know that that's something for you that uh, you've kind of you know div- dove into a little bit this past off season and and try to get some of that. How much stock do you put into like those numbers? I, I guess how do you balance out like what you know and feel and and that versus like trying to see mm-hmm. like the numbers and those results? Like how do you weigh that balance just for yourself?
1: Well, I mean, so I think that comes in a a bunch of different ways. Um, Numbers don't lie, right? But sometimes those numbers may spit out something that's not telling you how you feel. Or maybe it's telling you, you know, when you throw, you know, if you throw a, a slider and you say, oh, man, I feel like that had a lot of good depth to it, right? But then you go and you look at the numbers and the depth wasn't all that great. Comparatively, like I compared myself strictly to my own self right? Bullpen to bullpen in my off season, just looking to improve my own arsenal. I wasn't compared to, Oh, well this guy throws it with this much spin or this guy does it. you know what I mean? I'm only looking at it to see how I can improve myself. And so I used it in that way. And I think that's, for me was the most healthy way to go about it and getting a better understanding of what my ball is doing when I throw it. Like, I mean, I know that sounds simple, um, but when I'm in the act of throwing a baseball, like a fastball is, you know, as hard as I can or with the most precision I can, sometimes it's not easy to perceive what it's doing, right? I'm only picking it up halfway, you know, three-quarters of the way to the plate. So getting a better understanding of what it's doing. Um, and then I, I use, the, you know, the high-speed camera, like, on my hand positioning to understand better, you know, where my hand was in space, right? Like, I mean, we're talking about fractions of seconds. You can think that your hand is in one place and your body's in one place, where your brain is telling you and then you go look at the slow motion camera which isn't going to lie to you and you're going to be you could be in a completely different spot and so i think just getting a better understanding of my own self um was really uh kind of eye-opening um and again i'm not sitting here saying that that's made me some completely different player Mm -hmm. right but it does make certain things easier because i understand that sometimes my eyes are deceiving me sometimes my body's Deceiving me sometimes my brain's deceiving me, um, and you know traditionally that would just be your coach standing behind or your catcher telling you or the feedback you get from the hitter. But now we have an external, um, you know, external cues that are giving you numbers that can also give you a, a just it's just an extra piece to the puzzle.
0: I would imagine there's at least I mean in some circles probably some fear right that that maybe you, you get all this information and but you don't want it to like clutter your brain when you're out there. So I, I mm-hmm. guess does that like, the things that you look for when you're working out in, let's say, January, gearing up for spring training, are you looking at different things then than maybe what you would look at, like, now in between starts?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about, you know, in the offseason, I'm throwing fastballs and looking at spin efficiency or throwing changeups and looking at spin direction or throwing sliders and looking at pitch shapes, right? Like, I'm not getting that feedback when I'm out there on the mound right? Like I have to trust what I see and what I feel, but if I have more belief in what I'm seeing and understanding based on the work that I did in the off season, what's happening then and there and can quick, more quickly and accurately process it when I'm on the mound, right? Like that's going to help me make in-game adjustments better. That's going to help me be, you know, maybe more confident in what I'm seeing versus how the hitters are reacting or, you know what I mean? Vice versa. So, I think that, to me, is a huge benefit. Um, But, I mean, you're right. At the end of the day, when I walk out on the field, like, it's compete mode. It's go mode. Like, I can only control what what I'm doing out there on the mound, and I just have to trust the processes that that got me there.
0: That's really interesting, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. I think it's really good perspective. Um, What's Matt Wise been like out there as your uh, pitching coach? Yeah.
1: I love Wiser, um, and I, I think earlier you were talking about, you know, too much information and having too many things going on. I think he's able to, you know, look at it from both perspectives, right? Like, I mean, he he, he understands the, you know, the numbers, the analytical side of it. We have a great front office that makes it completely easy to process. Um, they give us great little tidbits on things that are going on, um, and we can talk about that. Uh, in any way he wants, right? Like he, he's able to um, disseminate that information to each person in the way that he thinks that they're best going to digest it, right? Some guys don't, don't want their, you know, their data from the Hawkeye or TrackMan system or whatever. Uh, they just want to look at video and talk about how hitters reacted or vice versa or whatever. So I think he's able to um, give that to us in bite-sized pieces Um, and, and break it down and translate it into when I'm out here on a, on a, on a mound during a bullpen working on something, he's able to communicate what he's seeing and what I'm feeling and we can make adjustments from there rather than, you know, we don't need to sit down and run a, you know, analytical, you know, breakdown of why that was a crappy slider or whatever. Right. Like we can just talk about it in baseball terms. And I think the ability to do that is, um, it's not easy. I don't. I don't think everybody can do it.
0: I think that's really cool hearing you say that. Because, like, for me, I again, I, everyone knows I've never been in your position, right? But at the same time, I think that you can see. Like, all the information coming and and be thinking, like, there's nothing wrong with getting more information. Like, more, da- more data is never a bad thing. It's how you process it and how you understand mm-hmm. it. So when you have that, I mean, that seems to be really cool. And it's, you know, for hearing you say that it's coming from the front office and down and, and Wiser translates that really well, that's pretty cool. Uh, just in regards to... Just the feel of this team. Uh, Fans have talked about it. There seems to be a different energy in the ballpark. It seems to be a different energy with this team. Again, I'm not in the room, but looking from afar, it definitely seems like this group, there's something different about this team than maybe some years past. Are you feeling that same kind of thing?
1: Definitely. Um, I think for multiple reasons. I mean, obviously, nobody last year enjoyed playing in front of empty stadiums. So even even just opening weekend, having I don't know what our total 15,000 however many we had, like it felt like a packed stadium. So just having that crowd there, like that makes a huge difference for us, and it's so much more enjoyable. And I hope fans are enjoying being back in the stadium and seeing it live because I know we are. And and then from a personality standpoint, I mean, we just have so many guys um, who are just. I mean they're just enjoyable to be around like guys that whether they're just keep it loose in the clubhouse, keep it loose in the dugout, guys that are just more than willing to share um, their experiences their information we've got a lot of guys that we brought in that have a lot of baseball experience at a very high level um, just being able to talk to you know to Suzuki um, you know zook has got so many valuable little nuggets of things that he's learned over the you know course of his I think for 13, 14 years of being in the big leagues and being behind the plate, um, you know, you got a guy like Dex, who's just like one of the most positive, like upbeat person, you know, people I've ever been around and it's like so enjoyable. And I think that's contagious. Um, and you know, we've played some really close games and come out on top. Um, and I think that that breeds an energy, you know, in, into the, into the clubhouse and into the team. So, I mean, I think like, you know, just to name a few things, but it's just an overall feel and I think everybody's enjoying it. And, um, you know, I think that kind of stuff will continue to build over the course of the year. I feel like a lot of guys feel like we've got a good start, but kind of spun our tires here recently and it just feels like we're, you know, we're, we're, we're close to, to taking off.
0: Hey, that's the sense that I get watching you guys. I mean, it just seems like, um, you know, you get those yeah those close wins. You can build on that. It, it's pretty cool. And I'll just tell you this, Andrew. When I am watching, like, it's not just watching Angels games. Like, watching across baseball, I know that, you know, everyone's wanting to compete all the time. To me... The level of play has been so much better this year than last year. Like, like not just in, in Angels games, like yeah. across the board in baseball. I mean, do you think there's something to that with, with, with just the different energy of the fans being in the building? It, it, it seems like it to me.
1: It is absolutely a real thing. I mm-hmm. mean, you, you can ask any pitcher. You probably talk to hitters, whatever. Like, you can go out there and try and you know throw as hard as you want in a bullpen. You know, and then you get out on the mound, you get an extra two or three miles an hour, right? Like you just you get a different like adrenaline rush, a different vibe of like having fans in the stands, a different energy just feels like, you know, you've seen it. Like you've come to games where you just feel like the fans and the players feed off each other. I think it's a, a real thing. And, you know, I, I'd also like to say that, you know, everybody that plays professionally in their sport think that their era is the best ever played right like yeah. probably the guys that played in the 90s thought that that was the best that baseball's ever been but I gotta tell you like I mean there's a ton of really good players across the league I mean a lot of really good players and I think you know I, I, I just I know I'd sit back and watch and I'm like oh my goodness like I get to play with or compete against these guys and I just know that I'm competing against the best and that brings out the best in a lot of people as well um knowing that they're going out there and You know, they're getting the most from the guys in their dugout, and they know they're getting the most from the guys across from them, too.
0: Hey, man, I've really appreciated the conversation today. I I tell you what, it's fun seeing Angels fans back at the ballpark. We get to all enjoy a little piece of Americana, a little baseball together. I think it's awesome. And uh, really appreciate the time today, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Trent. Look, I really enjoy when you can take some time with a player, have a thoughtful baseball conversation, really get into some of the, the nitty-gritty, into some of the details. And, and I really appreciate Andrew Heaney uh, for sharing some of that with us. Wanted to touch on this for a moment, too. So on Friday night... The Angels, because uh, that was April 16th, April 15th across baseball, everybody wears number 42 in honor of Jackie Robinson. Um, The Angels didn't have a game on the 15th, so on the 16th, uh, they honored Jackie Robinson. And one of the umpires in that game, uh, Malachi Moore, uh, is a Southern California product. And this is uh, important because he has a lot of ties to the uh, Urban Youth Academy. that's in in Compton, California. That's his hometown where Malachi was born and raised. Uh, He was an umpire in that game. I was so bummed because I thought we were gonna get it to see him on Sunday behind the plate so we still have to wait for that um, but you know his first time at the big a uh, with fans it was not his first time part of an umpire crew uh, without fans but uh, Malachi Moore graduated from Compton College three sport high school athlete actually played football with Richard Sherman at Dominguez High. Uh, it's an incredible story. I am you know I have not known all that much about like how you become an umpire and uh, Malachi uh, basically was encouraged by Kerwin Danley, uh, a longtime big league ump, to pursue a, a scholarship to go to umpire school and Malachi took that opportunity and in fact now he's even an instructor at the Wendelstadt Umpire School but uh, Malachi Moore started his umpiring career in the Northwoods League back in 2012 he even worked uh, part of the few game in Washington, D.C. back in 2018. He is what's considered to be an MLB call-up. He spent a full season and a half in the Pacific Coast League, which is now Triple A West, uh, but he was a Triple A call-up umpire, but for him, I thought pretty cool uh, in his second series uh, as part of a crew at Angel Stadium. Uh, made his Major League debut a season ago. It was um, 20 games that he worked last season, but uh, for Malachi Moore, a Southern California product, to be at the Big A I thought was pretty special, and It goes even deeper than that. Uh, Malachi is a great story and an inspiration to so many people. Um, He just moved to Phoenix with his wife and two sons. He's got a a 7-year-old and a 9-month-old. His oldest son is uh, Nehemiah who is named after Malachi's late brother who was in in fact shot and killed at 19 years old in Compton back in 2006. Malachi said that was a wake-up call for him to get his own life in order and has done some incredible things and now is, is a major league umpire and an inspiration. I think to a lot of people uh, in his community and a lot of people that have been able to see his success and growth and now he's trying to uh, continue to inspire others and help other people uh, get on the right path uh, that he was able to get on. Uh, So Malachi Moore I think is just a really interesting story. At some point uh, maybe somewhere down the line we'll be able to have him on an Angels Recap podcast. I I just think that um, he's just a really interesting guy and um, I I think his story is fantastic and uh, pretty cool that Um, On the day that the Angels all were wearing number 42 on on Jackie Robinson Day at the Big A here in 2021 that Malachi Moore, um, a Southern California native, was a part of the Angels um, and the uh, Twins umpiring crew in that game, I thought that was pretty special. All right, that's going to just about do it for us here on the Angels Recap Podcast for Hannah Stang and everybody at AM830 and Angels Baseball to help put this podcast together. My name is Trent Rush, and you know what, more than anything else, thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in uh, to AM830, for listening to the Angels Recap Podcast, for hitting that subscribe button and being a subscriber. Uh, Definitely love uh, your involvement on the show. We love when you get involved after every Angels home game as part of the Angels Recap show that we do after the games. We answer your questions, your comments, your concerns. We take care of business live on the air on AM 830, the home of Angels Baseball. Um, It's always fun breaking down the games, uh, getting to hear from from players and coaches, and and more than anything else, to have you uh, have that space to, you know, sometimes it's to vent, sometimes it's to cheer and to celebrate. And we have a party on the radio, especially after Angels wins. That's when it's even more fun. Uh, No question about that. But I love your involvement uh, there. And again, that's on AM 830 in Southern California and also AM830.net. If you live elsewhere, you can download the app and uh, be a part of our Angels Recap family after all the Angels home games, uh, breaking things down. And again, we, we try to take time to go in depth uh, on that show too and really uh, get into the details. I, I love that. I think that's what makes baseball. It's what we try to do on this podcast. It's what we try to do on the radio as well. All right, have a great rest of your day and thanks for tuning in to the Angels Recap Podcast. Take care, everybody.